Welcome to School of Rock Bottom with Oliver Mason. I'm an actor, a voiceover artist, and a mental health coach. And it's these careers and passions combined that have given birth to this podcast. Those working in the creative industries are three times more likely to have a mental health problem. And those working in performing arts and entertainment are twice as likely to suffer from depression and up to 15 times more likely to have an anxiety disorder. So as you know, on this show, I interview incredible creatives and inspiring people that have lived through a rock bottom and survived. This is a podcast of hope and how to get out. And I am so delighted today because I have got the captivating Kathy Tyson in the studio. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's a nice intro. I mean, I really do have performing arts royalty with me right oh. now. And I've, and I've managed to get a little bio together. But honestly, this doesn't even scrape the surface here. This is a, a deep injustice, I think. <laughs> oh. but, but just to get to the quick, I'm just going to give the listeners and viewers a quick intro before we dive in. So... Kathy Tyson has worked on a broad range of projects for screen and stage, and that's a bit of an understatement. Her performance as Polly in Help Channel 4 was recognised last year when she won the BAFTA for Supporting Actress. Amazing. Thank you. Other television work includes Maternal for ITV, The Canterville Ghost, BBC, and Band of Gold, ITV. Upcoming television projects include Chaos for Netflix, Criminal Re Record for Apple TV+, Death in Paradise for the BBC and Boiling Point also for the BBC. Kathy's breakout performance as Simone in Mona Lisa and her multiple nominations. The Los Angeles Film Critics Association Award for Best Supporting Actress and Golden Globe, Golden Globe nomination. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited I can barely get it out. <laughs> Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress and BAFTA nomination for Best Actress. She can be seen playing Maureen in the recent Netflix feature Bank of Dave and will be playing Sam in Luna Carmoon's upcoming debut feature Horde. For stage, Kathy has performed across the UK in a variety of productions. Recent credits include Rockets and Blue Lights for the National Theatre and the Manchester Royal Exchange, My Beautiful Laundrette for the Leicester Curve and Talking Heads at the Octagon Theatre Box. Yeah. Wow. Oh. It's incredible. Thank you. It brought back memories, actually, some of those, the, what you said there, you know, of the wonderful writers. I've had the pleasure to do their work, Alan Bennett, you know. Um, thank you, Ollie. That's really nice. And, and I know what your first, well, you mentioned your first question was going to be when, what was, when did I have my first rock bottom? That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm doing your job for you here. To be um, honest, I, I, I I'm delighted you 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 can do that. <laughs> I'd love to have you every week. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think one of them anyway was when I got divorced, um, and I was 23. I started divorce proceedings, and you know I'd gotten married when I was 18, and didn't know who I was, and I just thought this isn't working, and. Um, so I don't blame my young husband of the time either. He was a year older than me. And uh, my son was three months old. So, excuse me, I, um, you know, I was working then, I think, when my son was three months. Um, I, 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 who knows, you know, I don't think I had postnatal depression when I had the baby, but looking back on it, I may have done. Um, but I just think I possibly would have been hospitalized if, if it was that way. 
Um, and I, my mum was a massive support, um, you know, and I, you know, thought I, I suddenly became a single parent and felt, um, I don't really know how to continue working this way. My mother was a single parent. Um, I felt a massive failure at the marriage ending. You know, I'd always wanted to be married uh, and have a family. I'd been married at 18, got some success at 20. Things were going really well. I'd always wanted a child. And then... And then this happened. So I felt, I mean, there was a rock bottom, but it went on for years because of the shame that I felt. And I never sought any therapy over this. I just carried this knot in my, in my chest of failure. Um, and how, you know, being very, very worried about how I would appear to people and also uh, just being thought of as a single mum. Um, you know, and just basically being too worried about what other people thought and feeling that I couldn't achieve uh, the basics of life, which is which was a family life. You know, I'd been divorced young. Um, my father, mother never lived together um, very much, uh, you know, so I came from um, a pair, a single parent home as well. And I thought I was going along that those lines too um so for years i just carried um a stone around my neck of of the shame about that and i i didn't speak to anybody about it i i just battled on in work um and kept quiet about it um you know there were some things i used to help me um get through that uh my mother as well um would help babysit and also look after the um my my child um but there was a, a it was really strange because there was a lot of um success um i had the fi- i had a figure that i haven't got now so many people on the outside i looked slim successful and on the inside that's why i will never ever even and i sometimes make a mistake when i see young people or slim people that look rich you know you just do not know what is going on in their lives because you you know ask them because they look as if they have everything um so i just kind of i i i got got on well i mean i was too proud to go and get help Because I was a single parent and if I asked for help, then I would have thought that I'd be seen as a failure. So I had immense crippling pride. You know, fortunately, I haven't today. I've still got some of that left. Uh, There's vestiges of it. Um, But back then it was, you know, because even before I got married, even before I left Liverpool, I still felt because as a child from a broken home, I always felt different because my father didn't live at home. And I was obsessed with that uh, thing of not being enough. 
right. uh, because he wasn't there. And if he was there, then my life would be different. Right. I, and do you think that was a thread that kind of made, when that rock bottom happened with the divorce, kind of made it blow up? Do you think that kind of compounded that? Was mm. there sort of an earlier belief, do you think, that, that kind of triggered that alive? Yeah. Um, yeah. It it was all part of it. Um, and fortunately, you know, since the age of 36, I did seek therapy. So I've, I've sought it. I started to seek help. Um, and, you know... I've I, I have a faith now. It's not strong, but for the last twenty one years, I've I've prayed, um, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm, as I say, I'm not, you know, I don't attend church regularly or anything like that. But I've prayed, so I've um, had a faith and been around people that have had a faith in a higher power. Right. So that has been a tremendous support mm-hmm. and. Also, just to get to know my emotions a bit, you know, even today, you know, I had a difficult start to the day because I've been tired um, and I, uh, you know, the, the first thing I had to do today was this. So and usually when I'm tired and on my own, that that is not a great recipe. It's kind of you need to, uh, you know, just just with that, because things can get exacerbated. Um, and when I did go out and had to have a coffee, I bumped into somebody that I knew. So we ended up having lunch together and it was lovely to see her. Yeah. And she's a, a wonderful person, a therapist. I haven't seen her for a while. Um and so the day started to get better. But also what I do accept now is that when I'm feeling like that, instead of running from it, you know, I feel physically tired at the moment. It's acceptance. Right. Uh, it's like, okay, um, I'm feeling like this today. Um, and, you know, uh, there are family pressures as well at the moment. Um, and to just... What's lovely is I have a choice over how I can respond to that because even today I spoke to a family member and said, well done. In the past, I would have just been consumed with me and this feeling that I was trying to escape and I can be nice to you when this is over. But today it was like there's a nice balance of yeah, I'm, um, you know, it, cause it is okay to feel low. Yeah. Right. There's some fantastic advertising things that are on now. Uh, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Who, who thought of that? Um, and, you know, that's on our billboards. Um, and it's almost the polar opposite to what you believed in that period of the rock bottom because obviously it was a different time. Mm, yeah, it's not okay to be to feel the well, way I do. I think the words you used were you felt a failure and you didn't seek out therapy. This is what you just mm-hmm. said just now. And actually you went on to say, if I had have seeked out therapy, that would have then be seen as a failure. So it was by almost, me yes, and society. This, right. Probably. So it was almost like a you sort of checkmated yourself in a way. There was no it sounded like there was nowhere to turn. And then you realised at thirty six, I think you said yeah. therapy might be a way yeah that yeah um yeah you know um when you're going further and further down and it's like you know 
I mean, the human 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 beings are very, very resilient. We we can put ourselves through an awful lot before mm. we take action. Mm. Um and you know, we that that's a problem as well. Yeah. Why does it have to get that bad? And to, you know, before we we do something, and it's by a mere miracle that we do change and decide this isn't for me anymore. But um, you know, I can remember feeling, you know, meeting a neighbour and um, being really horrible to a neighbour, and then going home and thinking I've got to go past that neighbour the next day. Oh God, what have I done? And that was a realization of there's. There's no escape now because, you know, there just isn't. And so that was that was helpful, that right. kind of backed in the, into the corner kind of feeling. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm still, you know, I've made an amend to that neighbor years ago and she was wonderful. And and her family and um, I'm grateful for that mm. that uh, that they they accepted that amend. Um, Why is it important for you to do that? Because some people, I, I mean, I know you're a lovely person, and that's why you would do that. But some people wouldn't have that kind of um, fastidiousness around it. It seems to it seems to me that that's extra important to you. Because when when you described the the rock bottom moment and you and and you said you felt a failure and you said it the rock bottom went on a long time mm. and then you referenced today and you said oh it's you know it's not great for me sometimes to be on my own with my own thoughts mm. it seems during that period I mean specifically where where did it take you that feeling of failure in terms of I wondered if you could give us an example because you just gave us one today in fact. Was it lots of micro moments like that? Because I'm sort of reading between the lines and, and sort of imagining it manifested itself maybe in rumination, overthinking back then. Would mm. I be right in saying that? And isolation. Right. Um, I think misery when you're generally feeling, you know, it, it's it just is compounded and, uh, you know, rumination, isolation, um uh, breakdowns of relationships, not being able to be in the world, you know, right. pr in a, you know, be around people. And one of the great things that's happened to me in my later life is that joy and also ability to be able to be around people because I'm an only child. Um, I struggled with making friends when I was little. I had no, I was low, I struggled with loneliness when I was little. Um, and I, when I was a child as well, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have a voice very much. I, I you know, it was all, you know, I, I grew up in, in Dingle in Liverpool and everybody just seemed to have the gift of the gab or the, the back chat and stuff. And when I would wake up in the morning, it's like rehearsing what I had to say. What should I say? What can I do? Um, you know, and it was just absolute, you know, that kind of, um, mm. that kind of bombardment of fear, actually, utter fear of not knowing what to say yeah. and and so don't say anything and then of course my mother I'd live with my mother and then she'd get the frustration of all of that uh you know whereas you know I couldn't say it or if I did you know I'd be laughed at the absolute 
you know, feeling of being alone, no brothers and sisters to come and come to my aid. So there was an awful lot. I'm talking about the difficulties, but there was an awful lot good as well that happened in my childhood. But I didn't talk about what was going on and didn't have the language for that. Um, and my mum was a very busy mother. You know, she was a social worker. She came home at night. Uh, you know, I think kids need to be taught how to s- communicate what they're feeling or even if, even if, even if they don't say anything, but there's space for them to go. It's, it's, you know, it's okay. I'll, be here when something does it's all right to say something you know I don't come from you know I was born in 1965 so we were only just really learning how to speak in the 80s I think you know after Kilroy Silk um, you know when his program started Mm -hmm. to come out and there were all these people like that came on his programs that started talking about their families and how they felt and that revolutionized television you know right I hadn't hadn't even Um, thought of that as being a sort of a watershed moment yeah Yeah. but but before that there was still you don't talk about things Mm. you know still that scene and not heard not that my mother was like that but that kind of and if if you did admit a, a difficult or it was a failure and no you know my mom didn't say that to me it was just what I felt and um, you know and you know just feeling that thing about my father not being at home and us not coming from a 2.2 family I already felt a lack of a lot you know there was something lacking right um, and so when that rock bottom moment happened, was it almost like a part of you sort of convinced yourself that here is now the evidence, for want of a better word, that that there's a lack of something? It seems like you took it very on a very deep on a very deep level when the divorce happened. You know, you, mm, you then concluded you were a failure, whereas some mm, people would go through a divorce and maybe not make that mm, assumption. It sounded like. Mm, that was quite powerful it was and you know even though I initiated the divorce it didn't it that's why when people leave people now I know as a leaver or as somebody who initiated the breakup the pain I went through and the other person probably went through a lot as well but it wasn't easy Mm. um you know um to but I've not regretted it this is another thing Yeah. yeah which is great it was the right decision to make because I've not regretted it. Yeah. And but the sometimes I guess the pain we have to go through is worth it. Um, I guess that's the but, school of rock bottom right there, isn't it? You know, um, yeah, yeah, because it was it was right for me. Um, mm. I I hope I don't have any more rock bottoms, but you you know I've had sadnesses. Um, but I don't, th- you know, something tells me I won't because of the tools that I have now and the friends around me and how I talk about how I'm feeling. Yes. Um, I think I won't have one because I think one of the things that compounds a rock bottom is that people don't talk about yeah. it. It's yes. not the actual thing itself. It's the taboo around a breakdown, uh, depression. It's the taboo around the thing, not the thing itself. Yeah. 
that creates the problem. There's um, an expression, isn't there? You're as sick as your secrets. If you hold uh, on to it, it just grows. Yeah. It's like a bacterium. Yeah. You know, and even how you were feeling this morning, I could, I got a real sense that you wanted to get that off your chest. Yeah, I, I thought just, I would... It just, ta- I, it just I'm it. not ashamed of it because no. I just thought... I've, I felt a bit of fatigue recently and I do tend to overbook things and... I'm thinking, how is this, you know, how is this going to, you know, what, you know, I've got to address this, you know, so I thought I'd take October off. Yeah. Um, And that sounds terribly decadent to be able to say that, but I thought, so I made some decisions because I thought you need to take, like, I have demanded a lot of myself. You need to take life a bit slower, walk a bit slowly. Mm. Um, Let's see, let's see if we can start things there. Um, I, you know, and um, I just, so I've been feeling a bit. Um, a little bit burnt out. Yeah. Taking some time out. Yeah. Could, do you mind if we come back mm. to that in a mm-hmm. sec? Because it's going to link very nicely into what I'm about to talk mm-hmm. about. Because you, I, I think we're saying uh, during that period of the rock bottom, definitely anxiety. It sounds like some possibly depression as mm-hmm. well. Um, you said something interesting that you just kept working. As mm. a coping mechanism, just kept throwing yourself into well, work. Well, yeah, but I mean, we do work too. I was a single parent, wasn't I? So yeah. you work. And work gave me a lot as well. It gave me a focus. Yeah. But carry on. Sorry, what was your question? Well, I just wondered if it if it was at least in the short term successful in terms of giving you a distraction from whatever you were feeling when you were in those characters or maybe in rehearsal or... Yeah, um, self-esteem. Yeah, Did, were mm. you able to sort of almost park those feelings to one side when you were when you were working? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, as an actor, I guess I have to watch that I'm not doing things for praise. I mean, everybody, a, a human human beings like approval and praise. Yeah. And, um, I think then it was for self esteem. I also got offered the jobs. Um, you know, so. That was nice. It was a distraction, but yes, you have to earn your um, in your earn your living, don't you? I'd spent a bit of time when I wasn't working, and uh, maybe that was six months. And you know, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Kathy Tyson was out of work for six months. <laughs> I've I've been I've been out I've been out of work before. Fortunately, I've worked all every year of these. Yeah. Um, that's incredible which is and I'm very very grateful for that Um, it didn't because my mother was a worker it didn't I I, I grew up with a working mother it didn't occur to me to not but I also got a lot of solace I get a lot of solace from literature from reading I'm going to the theatre tonight but what I have to watch for now is when I don't like the play I go into absolute and I have to go listen accept what is there because I've seen a lot of plays I can yeah. get really wound up and I thought stop I do what you mean I can do it with films as well can you and be over analytical uh, yeah and it's like yeah. you know so I go with an open heart there to and hopefully to learn it's a new play um, so I've been on a journey with that as well just how to receive the arts yeah you know especially you know, stage work, acting, and just to try and be, and I'm a lot happier now, just to try and be a lot more open to 
what is there? You know, I uh, saw the George Michael, um, you know, uh, documentary recently, and I just want, I just fell in love with him yeah, and oh, yeah. Andy Andrew Ridgely, <laughs> mm. and it was like the, the new know, Netflix one. Uh, yeah, yeah it's and amazing. I was yeah. like, oh, why haven't I seen this before? Mm. You know, it's like, isn't this wonderful? This friendship that they had between them yeah. was golden. Yeah, um, I feel. Um, but sorry, I'm going off off the topic can, can here. Can I ask you again, just about that period where you weren't working? W was that your longest period? Do you think six months? No, I. Working? What was the longest? Do you think you I went? I I, I didn't work when the baby was born. I, I mean, I was asked to, but I said no. I want to be a mum. Yeah. But after that, I I. I, I the six months. I mean, I've also I, I've done. I can't remember what it was like, but I. Did when I there was a period when I did some um charity fundraising because I couldn't get any work, and it was I think it was 2008 or 2007, and I had yeah. to walk through the doors of a company. And you know, I've always supported myself, so yeah, um, and in a way, I guess that was a rock bottom. I had to, I had to go there, but it was wonderful because, um. I saw how other actors I'd been I saw that I'd been very privileged most of my career and I saw how other actors have to do a full day's work and then go home and do an audition speech right, right. and how people supported one another and we also you know um, and also I decided to go to university when I was there as well. I thought I can't, I can't be doing this, but that something very interesting I read actually about your university, I think was that you were offered, I hope I've got this right. Celebrity master chef. Yeah. Well, while, while, while you were at university and I think you turned it down, right? Because yeah. You were, I, you were I wasn't, I wasn't studies. offered it, but they were in the process of, of getting me to do it. And I said, no, I went to two lecturers. One said yes. And then the other said, well, why are you here? Mm. And I was worried that it would interrupt my studies because I found studying quite difficult. But I think that alludes a lot to your character, that kind of grounding that you've got, you know, and I think it really does resonate, you know, um, when I was researching you in particular, I know we know each other a little bit socially, yeah. but, you know, I've, I've really been doing a lot of professional stalking over the week. <laughs> well, that's your dedication, yeah. isn't it? And it, and it really comes through. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll back it up with a quote here from from an interview that I found in a in a, in a paper. I hope you don't mind me quoting. No, no. Allegedly something you said. <laughs> you can't always be sure of the newspapers. But another kind of example of this kind of grounded thing. So after, um, you know, uh, the Mona Lisa, absolutely, you know, the movie mm. blew up uh, and you got all those amazing nominations. There was a moment where I think you could have, quite easily have gone to Hollywood and, mm. and had a life out there. And here's a quote. Um, you said, I was just 20 and already skinny. And people were saying, I needed to have this and that done. I need to shave some inches off here. I found that odd, especially as even the women were saying it. I just thought, I don't want to have plastic surgery. I'm a feminist. What am I going to have to do to myself if I want to stay here? I mean, I think for a 20 year old with all of that noise around this film and all these amazing nominations, I think a lot of people would have just sort of ran straight into the fire or, you know, into the glitz and glamour, whichever way you want to look at it without really thinking about any of those things. But it sounds like you had a real kind of strong oh. identity and integrity all along. Well, my mother, I have to credit my mother, the way she brought me up, um, 
because I saw a strong woman in in a job, in a professional career, um, and there were some other women around that I that she knew her colleagues. There were books in the house. There were I didn't want to be a sex sexual object, um, and she also was. <laughs> I don't want to make her sound like a spy for Russia, but my mum was quite anti-American at the time in the 70s and 80s. You know, she was a socialist. Yeah. She grew up poor in Liverpool. And so I went to America. I don't feel like this about America now, but yeah. when I went to America with cautious, cautious interest because I'd been brought up on, you know, my mother would have sooner had me go to Russia than America. So I had the Red Army choir playing on a, on the, the record player, you know, when I was um, younger. Um, she'd talk about Russia and stuff and America's, America was full of capitalists and stuff like that. Um, so uh, I had a, you know, wow, America. I, I wasn't, and I was aware, it was the 80s, right? So we were aware, this was 1984, of the American invasion. It was something called the American invasion in Britain where we were starting to realize as a country how much the American invasion was affecting our life, right. our, li our lives. So we were questioning that at that time. Um, you know, uh, so... I had my mother, my my upbringing there, as well as what was going on, you know, how we we needed to look to to our country to see what 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 was what creatives and what we we possessed, um, and also this thing of I was aware that as a young woman how how my body would be commodified. Right. In, in, in an acting job, I was just yeah. aware of it. So especially being a black woman, mm. because I just thought I'm not going to be open to you doing anything to my body. So I had the kind of like uh, a history of what happened to black women in centuries ago. And you know, it was quite heavy stuff, wasn't it? Um, but I, look, also... There was a downside to that because there's nothing wrong with going naked on screen, right? Sex is part of our lives and we don't have to be, we don't have to be, I don't have to be authoritarian, what is it, authoritarian or, um, so there was that, but also there's, it's, if things are handled well, that's fine too. It's part of life. There's nothing wrong with being sensual on screen. Yeah. Uh, so... I, for a time, was kind of like trying to, you know, protect my body, as it were. Right. Or, you know. Um, um, Did it feel like it was under attack from your from your perspective? But by the industry over there, was that how you sort of... Uh, it did, that? but they met, you know, I probably, I didn't, yet again, didn't talk about my feelings in depth with my agent or, you know, um, or, although I'm very, when I was a young woman, I was very, very strong. For some reason, you know, they got an, a no nude clause put in. I said, I'm not going naked in, in Mona Lisa. You know, it's like I'm definitely not. So they put a no nude clause in. This is like crazy. You know, this was my first film. But I, I, I just think if you don't ask, you don't get. I mean, whatever status you're in, yeah, you can always ask whether you've just. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I don't know where I got that from. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe it was my my mother, um, you know, uh, that, you know, well, I can at least ask. And and if they don't give me it, um, then then fine. But I'm not going to wait until I get more successful for me to ask for things because I can ask now. It doesn't cost anything to ask. And would that be your advice to, say, a, a young woman or, or man, of course, yeah. uh, entering the industry now yeah. in a similar situation? Because as I've just explained, it doesn't cost. It may mm. cost some, but it doesn't cost anything to ask. I mean, I say that and maybe people are frightened. It may cost them a job because they might be seen to be, uh, you know, uppity or not uppity that's the wrong phrase or a problem but i mm. guess it's the way you ask isn't it yeah so being true to yourself at all times <laughs> trying to be work. it's it's very it's very difficult isn't it i mean because i, I don't i don't know how we can do that i think we get tempted to uh, do things you know i'm not perfect i'll try to be but true it to like myself a running clock for want of a better phrase i mean you mentioned it earlier with the the amends with the neighbor mm. but you know that you've got to be true to yourself in some way however you define that i guess is is personal to to you but it seems like it's a running theme with you that, that what? you've got to, well, that you've got to stay true to whatever Kathy's values are they seem to be, you mentioned a higher power earlier, they seem mm. to be connected to something almost bigger than yourself that you feel sort of driven I, by. I think we can fool ourselves. Yeah. So I can fool myself. Uh, very, you know, it's like there's always room for improvement as well as, you know, don't be too hard on myself, but don't be too soft either. There's always a chance to learn. Yeah. So, and I'm, and I'm still learning, um, because I think it's very tempting in life to fool ourselves into something and to be in denial. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's so it's it's just. I it, think when you turn around to the Buddha and you say, I've learned everything, you get slapped around the chest uh, and say, now you know nothing and you've got to yeah, start from the beginning. Yeah. But I think one thing I've learned is as I'm getting older <clears> that, that, that I, I just wish this was pushed a bit more to younger people about the joys of experience how wow you know it's a bit like being in a fairground sometimes because you've you've been on that you've had that experience you're you are you accept yourself a bit more you don't have to be perfect there's you're not as worried about what people think i still think sadly there's elements of that but you're not as worried about what people think you know, how are you now with that in particular about about what other people think? I must admit, when I was younger, I, I was crippled by it, and, yeah. I've, and I've got I've got a lot better at it. I mean, I've had some people much wiser than me sort of say things like, uh, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business. That's and, and what I phrases, love that saying. Phrases like that, and I think I I'm getting I think I'm getting closer to that at 44 years. Lovely. But um, definitely work to do. How, how where where do you currently sit with with that? Mm. Um, well, because I've started a new chapter of my career with Brown Girl Films, I'm, I'm a baby. So I've had to say to experts or people with more experience in me, than me, what does that mean? And sometimes I've been laughed at, not by 
pe- close people, but uh, and and I've heard them laugh because I think they see my age and think I'm going to know more because of my age, and I don't. And it's like carry on regardless because um, I've just done my second short. At least I'm there on set doing my second short. The important thing is is that even if people laugh at or don't like what I've done, I've got content. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like yeah. what you're doing, which is great what you're doing. You've got you, you've set this up. It's brilliant. You're doing it. So yeah. uh, even how am I with that? Sadly, I still think it matters a bit. Um, but not as much as it used to. Of course, you know, I don't want to, you know, be insulting to people and go, I'm, nothing matters to me. Um, you know, but I have more freedom now. And even like when I did get a bit laughed at, because I asked a question on set about something and they just laughed because I think they thought, what, you know, uh, the consequence, right? The consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been seeing the lovely yeah. photos on uh, Facebook thank of you. what you've been up to. It looks um, really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I, I was aware of getting laughed at. But I think what's great is that I'm there. I yeah. produced that one. I'm on set and there's a crew around me that has happened because of me. So if somebody wants to laugh at a question that I ask, that's fine. Because the evidence of what I've done is there. So, so this is quite a new enterprise. Yeah. Films. I, yeah. I think in my mind, I thought maybe it had been going for years. So this is no, since picture. the second short. Sure. Yeah. That's and incredible. We are, what, an amazing, what an amazing new journey for you to be going on. Yeah. yeah. I know. And I'm a baby at it. So as long as I remind myself, oh, that gives me the courage, to, confidence to go, you know what? I don't know this. What What do you think? What? How do we do this? This morning, I created, a, I generated a QR code. Hey, come on. So, I still don't know how to do that either. Oh, it's dead easy. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, uh, so, <laughs> I, say, I say it's dead easy. If I tried to show you, I might not be able to. But um, I I sometimes can think, oh, God, those things are too hard. But I'm sorry to kind of like, this is called the school of rock bottoms. And for anybody who's like having a difficult time out there, it's, um, it's, it is, you know, I just thought I'd bring it back to that as well because. Sure. Sometimes these difficult times, and you know what, Ollie, I might have them in the future mm. as well. But the good thing is to know that they don't, they may not last, and it it just really is okay to have a bit of a low morning. I've showed up today. I think in the past I wouldn't have because of my feelings, and I have a tendency that, or I did when I was younger, to to. I had to be perfect to show up. Right. So if it was a social engagement, I, I it, only if I felt good, I would go. But now yeah. I've gone even if yeah. I felt a bit low. We don't actually have to be 100% perfect to show up for things. Most of the time, we just show up. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many people out there in this world that are having a bad day today, but they've shown up. Well, I once did a, you know? a performance in the West End. This is when I just left drum school. Mm. And I actually had a panic attack mm. halfway through the show. And I came off stage and the director came up to me and went, what's the best you ever did it? So oh. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not quite sure what that meant. I wasn't quite sure how to take it. But I think I just went straight into kind of like... You know, just went into kind but, of autopilot mode and just yeah. just played the scene. But when <laughs> when you get a comment like that as well, yeah. the kind of 
attitude and mind I've got is I've got to suffer to be good. And when I came into the business, there was a saying and it is, I don't know who did, who this is from, suffer for your art yeah. is a famous yes, saying. It is, yeah. And that was my belief system. If I wasn't suffering, so suffering, right? When I was younger, there was a sad time side to it, but there was a kind of, okay, well, this is what I've got to do to be an artist. Right. I'm okay with that. Mm. I will suffer. So for me, there's been a big sea change of, because when I got happier 20 years ago, oh gosh, what do I do about my creativity? I'm happier now. Am I still going to be able to cry? Am I still going to be able to get angry? Mm. Uh, You know, because I'm happier. So that provided a new sort of fear for me about, oh, I'm happier now when I've derived a lot of my uh, toolkit, artistic toolkit from sadnesses, you know, being from a broken home, being a single parent, you know. Without getting too sort of much into kind of actuary talk, uh, do you sort of use an emotional memory? Are you sort of more of a mm. method actor or would you just I've use been your told imagination I am. in the... I've yeah, I, I, I did come across an interview where you, you said that. I use, um, I use a bit of both, bit imagination of both. as well as method. Um, yeah. You know, um, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry if I was getting actory then, but I no, was just no, thinking about suffering for yeah. your art, how that was what something that I clung on to, this idea. You said you said something interesting just then. You said um, when I got happy twenty years ago. Mm. H- how does Kathy remain happy? What What is your sort of mental health question. kind of like must dos each day? Well, do, do you have I any pray. Yeah. I also need to get to bed at a decent hour. Being around people helps. Yeah, going to the theatre, exercising, going for walks. I love the sea, and I haven't seen the sea enough. Reading as well, um, but people have got a lot to do with this. I do like com- company. I'm a, we're all social animals, aren't we, as human beings? You know. Am I right in thinking you alluded to it earlier that if you're sort of too long on your own, you mm. start to you didn't use the word catastrophize. You use another word. Is is that something that that still happens to you that you can sort of overthink and blow things up? I can, but yeah, I I was an only child and suffered a lot of loneliness when I was younger. But even today, before I came here, sometimes I can feel I've got to be around a lot of people to feel alive, you know, or or just the people around me. When I go and study, I'll study in the library. But I went back home today and created the QR code at home. And I think that nourishment of solitude is very important. And it is okay to sit in the flat without, uh, I don't put a lot of music on all the time, to sit in the flat. And I felt a bit of an accomplishment. And and solitude and silence is very very healing. Um, So it's about finding that balance. mm -hmm. And my partner, is he's a a lovely joker. He's he's brought a lot of joy into my life. My grandson does. But um, if I'm not getting those things, like if I haven't exercised or if I haven't, you know, gotten to bed at a decent time, it's about staying in the moment and going, okay, I haven't had this, this and this and this that generally makes me feel good. But, excuse me. Um, I've, what have I had? You know, I've got this beautiful home. 
I've got peace. I've got my garden as a small garden. And just to, just to think about, you know, what I have got rather than, it's always better to think about what I have got rather than what I haven't got, mm. you know, to get things into perspective and to try and not get frustrated about technology or something that I I don't know. And it's like, yeah, just to try and um, peace is very important to me to get moments of peace as well. Sure. Yeah. Especially if I'm feeling a bit tired um under energized to. And it sounds to me quiet. that you don't let those things slide. If you were to let those things slide, which which. I can't imagine you would do because that would mean... I have done. Of, right, okay. I have done, yeah. Um, I have done. And what, Why? Uh, why, why did probably you being too busy. Right. Um, you know, filling, you know... I mean, I've got... I'm taking some time out in October. And I think when there is a space, sometimes I can fill it with yeah. so much stuff so I'm not on my own. But I was in Budapest the other day and I wasn't well and I had to stay in the hotel room and order some food to the hotel. And at first it was like, oh, God, you know, I'm not going to be able to get out here. And then I just resigned myself to it. And I thought, actually, I am enough yeah. as I am here now. I don't want any. And, and, and it was lovely to I just wanted to demonstrate because I can think that life is all about out there I've yeah. got to do this I've got to do that all the time do this fill it up with everything and actually sometimes because you're ill you have to stay in one place yeah. and be with yourself and it was lovely to enjoy it wow yeah and it sounds like you you've got that down to bit fine art that balance <laughs> of when, you know when to sort of be around people and community and when to have that time out and that comes with experience doesn't it yeah you know, as long but it takes it's like at the athlete isn't it it's um monitoring yeah it, i it's like i've ha have i had that today like my next day off will probably be you know next monday we've got a busy time with the um film doing its premiere in london it's so it's about okay we'll keep that day that monday to yourself yeah and don't you know it's okay to do nothing to sit around yeah. and do nothing yeah you know and twiddle your thumbs and watch even a bit of television or look out the window sorry am i making sense here absolutely <laughs> i'm sense. talking to myself in a way to remind myself that it's actually i'm just getting okay. really scared because we're getting low on time um, there's so much <laughs> i want to talk to you about um could i could i just pull out another quote here because i think it is really important that we we talk about this um you said a few years ago um again talking about hollywood for a black artist it's a great place to be right now and really i should go back then diversity was at its mere infancy and there weren't many black and asian faces in hollywood i just wondered that kind of journey that the industry has been on with diversity mm. and inclusion it seems you know, it's only just recently, really, that things have started to move. Uh, it's a space that I want to learn more about. Mm. Um, I've got black friends in the industry. My wife's a South African Indian um, who moved over here 20 years ago, and she's something she's passionate about. I just wondered in terms of your mental health journey, has it correlated in any way? I mean, you know, you've been in the industry a little while. You're going to know, obviously, going back at 18 when you got your first professional job, how much it's changed. But what was that like when you were an 18 year old compared to now? And is there any sort of dots that you can join 
with your mental health journey along the way? I know it's a very broad mm. question I've just given you there. Well, you know, um, it was many things. You know, I, I think I this thing about you know there aren't many good black actors was, you know, and the divide and rule was happening, which is what happened in slavery times, you know, to black people. So that. There aren't many good black actors, so there was a kind of, it had an effect on, well, I'll prove to you there are. But also, because I've got an ego, it was like, oh, okay, then I'm the best. So there was a mixture of um, wanting to be do the honourable thing and prove that there were, but also enjoying that what was given to me that that position of you're very good you know there aren't many good black actors so there was it 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 had a duality and that kind of separated me as well as can it kind of separated me from other black creatives to some extent because that's what was being told me um also i felt i constantly and and i probably have to do this now as well but not as much because people are much more aware of microaggressions. Um, like things would be said like, because I'd hardly done any black theatre companies and a casting director who I do like said to me, yes, it's best not to ghettoize yourself, isn't it? And I said, well, in that case, 90% of white actors are ghettoizing themselves because they're all in white casts. Mm. So I would have something to say back yeah. because, you know, I, I, I the the imbalance of how one was looked at as a black actor rather than as as you were looked at as a white actor was was so apparent. Um, so it felt a little bit. I suppose I was full of resentment in a way mm. because of what was said. So things were said, and it was like I'd answer back like that but still be frustrated about well why was I even said well you're you're constantly in a state of educating people and they're still not being educated um and it was frustrating um and so I've kind of like went into battle I suppose uh you I, I say went into battle you were always ready right with uh because you knew how you'd be perceived um you know, people, you know, uh, always had assumptions. Of, some people always had assumptions about me. You know, I came, it wasn't just colour, it was class. I came from Liverpool. So that meant, you know, I was working class and came from an estate. And my mum and dad did blue collar jobs. Well, they didn't. So the assumptions were all, all there. Um, and did that sort of bleed into the sort of things you were getting put up for or, or yeah. people were trying to cast you? Yes, um, with, yes, and I said no to certain things. But I had a, a good agent and she respected what I said. She said most people say yes. Right. So I turned things down. Some things I think I shouldn't have as well, mm. looking back, because I thought, well... I was such an inverted snob as well, an intellectual snob, I should say, that I wouldn't dream of doing a soap. You know, it was like, no, I'm an actor. I want to do a different part. I don't want to do the same part for the rest 20, the next 20 years of my life. So, um, but I, I carried a bit of, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm too good for that. But 
when I went to work on a soap, when I did my own night and day, um, I realised how hard soap yeah, actors work. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And then I got a chance to do six episodes of Emmerdale. I really enjoyed it as well. You know, that was in my happy years. You know, I, I did uh, Emmerdale um, and I thought, great. And I've also recently done Death in Paradise. And it was like, I remember when um, I said... So jealous of that job. You'll, you'll get it. You'll get one. Recently. I'm sorry. I don't My agent, if jealous. you're listening to this, can you please yeah. get an audition for Death in Paradise? The reason why sorry I bring it you. up is that... And you're talking about mental health. I think some of the decisions that I made as well were about if I do that, people are going to think like this about me. Mm. So I won't. So it was more about how I would be perceived in the industry rather than what do you actually want to do? Right. Right. So the Death in Paradise uh, decision to do it was great because it came in as an offer. And at first it was, my God, no, I don't want to do this. What will? And then I thought, well, why don't I? Mm. And I thought, because it's not succession. No. And I, am, I, am I saying no to this because of worrying about what other people will think? And I thought, yeah, I'm saying no for that reason. This is why I need to say yes. And it was fab. I, yeah. uh, it was, and so I can do, I can go from Jojo and Grand Grand to help to Death in Paradise to whatever. I'm an actor. Hopefully I can span. It doesn't take away any of my sort of skill. If I do a cartoon, if I do a game, if I do an advert, I've done voiceovers for adverts. But when I came out, I was very, very, no, you, you don't do adverts because you're not an actor if you do that. So I'm not as rigid now. I, I can actually even remember that. I came out of drama school in 2001 and that, that does sound massively antiquated now, isn't it? Most, yeah. most actors do and anything of for course. it. Of course, but back then... I know, I remember. Another thing is... Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about our lives. Nope. Mystery was... Was it? You just did... We didn't... So I we didn't talk about our lives even though I was talking newspapers about racial elements and coming from Liverpool and, you know... Well, you've got, you know, um, you've got a Prince mug there. He was one of my idols growing up. He still is. I mean, uh, he, he was a complete enigma, wasn't he? He never yeah, shared anything about yeah. his life. And that was part of the mystique. Part, uh, right. And it's yeah. so... Um, I kept myself up private um, and, you know... That that I still am private now, but I wouldn't. I think back then I wouldn't have done certain programs that I'm doing now because of worrying about what other people think. And it's like, well, no, it's fine. I will do that. What's the point of making this decision based on being fearful of what other people think? Yeah. Do you? It matters. Do you want to do this? And that is the freedom of experience and getting older. Yeah. And questioning myself and going, well, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. Um, mental health, as I think it's in a much better state than it was when I was younger. But I was still, my younger self still commend some of the decisions I made, um, you know. But I just think I'm, I, I just wasn't as in touch with myself back then as I am now. You know, um, and is that the yeah. sort of overriding message maybe for someone who's 
listening to this any age, but I'm sort of imagining a sort of maybe a sort of younger creative who's just on this journey, or maybe not, maybe someone who's just gone through something traumatic like you described with a divorce or, you know, and is going through anxiety and depression. Would you say that's the main thing is to is to get that honesty and reach out to people? Yeah, self-honesty as well. I think actually I have only discovered recently that I'm actually a worrier. Mm. And and it's not very sexy to say that about yourself, is it? No. How and do you stop that? How do you stop worrying? Catching it, being aware of it. Right. Um, and I thought, oh, yeah, you are. Uh, <laughs> I laughed because I just bought a car and I spent three and a half hours in the car, car sales room. But I was thorough. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to know when you're being thorough or when it, whether those questions are out of anxiety. How do you stop that? I think... By looking at your thoughts and going, like even today, I was a bit worried about this interview. I was aware of it. If yeah. I, You know what? Maybe it's not even about stopping it, but it's about being aware of it. Maybe it will never stop, but it's that thing of, oh, I've got a bit of anxiety, you know, because I'm going to see a friend and I've got to tell her some disappointing news. And I, and I, I, you know, if you're looking at yourself daily, you can go, oh yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit nervous about that. And, and then the thoughts like, yeah, because, you know, you feel guilty because you're going to disappoint her. And it really is all this noise that is unnecessary. It's like, I just have to tell her this. I'm sorry that this has happened, but yeah. this is why. But I, I think it's not about stopping it may be not about stopping the worrying, but it's about recognizing, oh, there's free-floating anxiety here going on here. It sort of takes it away. I mean, I think the psychology behind what you've just said is really interesting that you woke up. You know, this is obviously very relevant to, to this conversation and today, but it's quite interesting that you shared that at the beginning of the podcast that you felt a bit anxious about today. And actually, as soon as you sort of said it, it took the power out of it. I think the psychology of you actually sharing it just proves that's something that sharing you, you it. do regularly. But on a, another note is that the, the, the hard time I give myself about that I have to be okay all the time. You know, I saw somebody just out of the blue, um, which was great, but I felt that I haven't seen her for a while. And it was like, where do you start? <laughs> because mm. so much has gone on. I haven't seen her for two years. And it's like... I don't know, I find sometimes that difficult. Mm. But it was nice as well. I don't know whether you understand that. You no, know, I do. When you haven't seen someone for two years, where do you start with the conversation? There's a lot to catch up. It's just yeah. suddenly impromptu. But it's a silly thing to be anxious over. But I can, I'm a, I can be anxious over that. And sharing it and acknowledging it sort of takes the power out yeah, of it. Yeah, but it sounds crazy, doesn't it? What is all that about? It's not a third. Is that first... one of the hard learned lessons of your rock bottom? Because during that those that period, you were saying that you weren't acknowledging it no. really and running. Has that been one of the main lessons from your rock bottom? Would you say, you know, to acknowledge what you're feeling, no matter how painful or what it doesn't matter what other people think, but yeah. find a way to share it with somebody. Yeah, it, it is, and and also the gratitude of being listened to because mm. I think it's not sexy to say that you actually are a bit of a warrior mm. and it's also not sexy to say actually I'm feeling fatigued today because I think in this society that we live in especially in London 
everything is about go-getting. Yeah. So when you say you're feeling fatigued, it's like, oh, <laughs> um, oh, really? Um, well, what are you going to do about that? Or uh, it, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. think some problems are more <sighs> easy to talk about than others. <laughs> I'm really gutted because... I think the studios are going to kick us out in a minute if I, <laughs> if I don't oh, wrap up. Sorry. And I'm having a lovely chin <laughs> wag. Um, oh, Kathy, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, It's Ollie. been amazing. We've had a lovely chat. I yeah. really hope the listeners and viewers have enjoyed it as much as I have. I'm sure they have. Um, Thank you. Uh, and I think it's really important to try and be your own best friend. Uh, you know, really, really self-care, self-parent. Uh, because you know yourself and go, oh, I felt this then and, oh, I was aware of that. And, you you know, I, it's it's only, you know, it's only one day at a time. So it's nice to look after that one day and go, oh, yeah, well, I didn't really need to feel like that. What, where, why, was, why was that? And that's about pressure that I put on myself to be perfect. Yeah. And. <laughs> well, here, here, <laughs> and it's not on. <laughs> well, Kathy, you're you know you're a, a, a Goliath of the performing arts industry, and you've given us some real you know Goliath things to think about today. And I, I really appreciate you just kind of spilling your guts and and getting raw and honest well, with us to help other people. Thank you really for it. the opportunity because a lot of people who are in the business possibly talk about the career, but not about the themselves yeah. as people. Sure, you know the human side that everybody can connect, identify with. Definitely. And I think it's going to really inspire and help a lot of people. I hope so. That it's something that you've experienced as well. Thank you. So a huge thanks. Oh, and, thanks, um, Solly. And guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be adding some show notes um, with some links, uh, if it's all right, to your to your film company oh, yes. and, and maybe some other things. I'll have a chat Thank with you. Kathy, but anything she wants to share. Um, we'll all be there in the show notes. So please go and check out the show notes right now. Um, please like, subscribe, auto-download, review, rate. We're on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, we're everywhere. Please share it with friends and family who you think will get something from this podcast. And as always, I will see you in two weeks' time. Kathy, thank you so much again. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you so much. It's really hard much. for me to wrap this up. I'm getting anxiety just closing this because I need to say goodbye. But I will say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll see you soon. <laughs>